Right, well, good morning again. And we're going to continue on the people who follow Jesus because there's still more. And we're getting through the New Testament of you didn't realize how many people are mentioned that actually gave their lives to Christ and then followed him. So let's uh, let's start off. Let's go to uh, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. morning, Chris. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. And, and the first person we're going to talk about, his name is Epaphras. Epaphras. I started uh, Googling these names because I knew I was butchering them really bad. And I, I found a guy on the internet that he, uh, it's funny because he'll give you the correct pronunciation, but he has a very heavy Spanish accent, so it's kind of funny. So this guy's name is Epaphras. Epaphras. So Epaphras uh, is only mentioned three times in the New Testament. You know, twice is in Colossians and one is in Philemon. Um, and we know he was a believer in Christ and he served with the Apostle Paul. And that's what we're going to look at. Um, you know, you think, wow, he's only mentioned three times? But how many times is your name mentioned in the Bible? Yeah, there you go. So Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 6 through 8. Uh, and the Bible says... <clears throat> which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the, knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Okay, so we're talking about, and we, we see Paul here. Excuse me, Paul wrote Colossians, so it's his letter. He's talking to us, and he's identifying this guy, Epaphras, and he identifies him as what? A fellow servant and one that was a faithful minister to the church of Christ, okay? Well, at one time, this guy was not a faithful minister or a faithful minister to the church of Christ, and he wasn't a fellow servant. He was just like us. He was unsaved, but he, was, he changed. So Paul was writing to the Colossians, and this is during his first Roman imprisonment during this time. And he tells us that this guy Epaphras uh, was the one who, who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Colossians. Okay, Paul sent him there, and he shared this, this, the, the word of Jesus Christ, the, uh, of salvation and, and what Christ did on the cross. He taught it to them. He preached to them. And he preached the word of God to the Colossians. And... and and history says that he started the church there, okay? So kind of important, right? Kind of an important guy. God used him well. Well, Paul tells us that the Colossians, uh, since the day they heard the gospel preached to them, and they knew the grace of God in truth, that, like I said, they learned it from Epaphras. That's what he's telling us. And we see that Epaphras, he traveled to Rome uh, to visit Paul. And Paul was where? He wasn't hanging out at the you know, Club Med. He was hanging out in prison. Okay, but Ephesus went there, and, and then Paul tells us about uh, in, in the Word of Colossians. He tells us about the love in the Spirit that Ephesus had love in the Spirit. And think about that. That's not love in the physical. That's love in the Spirit. He loved these people spiritually, and he, he ministered to them. And let's look at Colossians chapter four, verse eleven and twelve. Colossians chapter four. <coughs> Excuse me. 
verse 11 and 12. And the Bible says, and, and Jesus, which is called justice, who are of the circumcision, so those are Jews, these only are my fellow workers, workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. And then we talk about Epaphras here. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. He's talking to the Colossian church right here. So Paul's telling us that in Colossians here, he's talking about this church. He's talking about Epaphras. He says, Epaphras is one of you. So Epaphras was a Gentile, right? And he was a Gentile from Colossae, from the city of Colossae, where the church of Colossians was. And we see that Epaphras, he cared deeply for the Colossians, right? He cared for what? Their spiritual growth and their maturity, okay? He had, com he had committed, to, as we see right here, he had committed himself to praying fervently for this church, okay? And why did he do that? It says right there, so they will stand perfectly and completely in the will of God. So here's this guy. He got saved. He became a preacher. He started a church. He prays fervently for this group of Christians, for this church. Okay? And he prays for what? That they'll stand perfectly and completely in the will of God. It kind of sounds like Brother Larry, doesn't it? He's always praying for the church. You know he is. Okay? Well, we also see that Epaphras worked hard for the church in Colossae. Um, as we see... Uh, as well as, as, as we, if we read here, we'll see that he also worked for other Christians. He worked for, for Christians in Laodicea and uh, Heropolis, okay? So he was a pastor of the church at Colossae, but he was trying to plant churches in other cities, okay? He was trying to spread the word of God. So let's see. O Epaphras, um, what was he doing? He was doing what God tells us to do, right? He tells us to serve, he was preaching, he was witnessing, he was concerned about his local church, and he was using that local church to reach out and try to plant other churches, okay? So let's go to Philemon 123, and look at this guy, see what else he did. Uh, Philemon, the only book of Philemon, I mean the 123. And in, in verse 23 says, There, salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. So, we see that while, uh, while in prison in, in Rome, um, Paul also wrote this letter to Philemon. And he, he mentions Epaphras in this letter. And apparently, somehow Epaphras got in prison with Paul. He says he's a fellow prisoner. So at some time, you know, the church was being persecuted. They decided to put him in prison too. And, and if we look at history, history states that Epaphras eventually returned to Colossae, so he got out of prison, and he, it says he faithfully remained there serving in that church, and he was also later martyred, okay? But Epaphras, Paul describes him, if we read these, these few times he talks about him, he described him as what? A fellow servant, a faithful minister, a servant of Jesus Christ, and he told us that he was always praying, praying, praying fervently for Christians, okay? And he was always working hard for that church in Colossae, okay? So Epaphras was a, was a Gentile, as we learned. Um, he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He got saved. 
And then he began spreading the word of God. He started a church where he continued to pastor until he was martyred. Uh, and he supported what? Planting churches in other places. Okay? He's only mentioned three times in the Bible, but look what he did. Look what he did for God. He demonstrated a strong faith, a rich prayer life, a boldness in sharing the gospel, even at the risk of being uh, you know, put in prison, and it didn't stop him. He still had that deep care for his, his flock, his church, who he was invested in, right? He was spiritually invested in that church, okay? Let's go to Hebrews 6.10. Hebrews 6.10. Let's look at this verse real quick. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Let's read 10 through 12, actually. The Bible says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay? That's what Epaphras was doing. Epaphras was probably... It's probably not the first name that comes to your mind when you think of, you know, Bible characters, right? We think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But look what he did, okay? He faithfully served Jesus Christ. And by reading these Hebrew verses, we see right there, um, because of his faith and his patience and his persistence, his reward is promised. God promises it right there, okay? So let's go on and let's look at another guy. Let's go back to Colossians. Chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. And we're going to read about a guy named Onesimus. Onesimus. Colossians chapter 4, verse 9 says, With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Okay, so we see here's Paul again. He's identifying a guy named Onesimus, okay? And he identifies him as, as faithful, as a beloved brother, brother, and a member of the early church, okay? So he got saved sometime in his life. But what did he do before that? Well, if we read the story of Onesimus, we find out that he's a fugitive slave. He was a slave of Philemon, okay? And the apostle Paul was a friend of Philemon, and he was writing... If we read the book of Philemon, we'll see that letter is about Onesimus, okay? And Onesimus, he had stolen from his master, and he fled to Rome, okay? Why did he flee there? Well, Rome was a huge city, and he could easily hide there, right? Guess who also was in Rome? Paul. Paul was in prison there. Well, God had other plans for Onesimus, because somehow Onesimus met Paul in Rome while the, the apostle Paul was in prison, and he shared the word of God with Onesimus, and Onesimus got saved. And let's look on in his life a little bit. So let's go to Philemon, chapter, or Philemon, verse 10. The only chapter. Philemon, in verse 10, the Bible says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten, in my bonds. Well, what's do, what do we see here? Paul is talking to Philemon. He's writing a letter to Philemon, and he's writing, <coughs> excuse me, for Onesimus. And he calls him his son, which happened while Paul was in prison. 
Okay? And Onesimus became a Christian after running away from Philemon. So think about this, okay? He, he's a slave. He steals from his master. He runs away to Rome. He probably got kicked into prison because at some point he meets Paul in prison and Paul shares the gospel of Christ with him and he accepts the gospel of Christ and he becomes a believing Christian, okay? Paul led him to Christ in prison and then he gets out. Let's look at verse 11. So verse 11, it says, the Bible says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. So what's Paul telling us? He's telling Philemon that at one time, this guy Onesimus was useless to him. He was absolutely useless, okay? But he says now, now that Onesimus has been saved by Jesus Christ, he has become useful to both Paul and Philemon, okay? So let's just look at this. So think about it. It's just like us. At one time, we were useless and unprofitable. Some of us may still be useless and unprofitable. But once Jesus Christ saved us, okay, we were converted. And the Bible teaches us that we are new creatures in Christ, okay? And now that we're new creatures in Christ, we become profitable, okay? This is what happened to Onesimus, right? And, and just think about your life, if you're saved, think about your life before Christ and after Christ, okay? Just think about those things. So this guy Onesimus, he can now live up to, to the meaning of, of, of what his name means, right? And his name meant useful. I don't know if I told you all that. Nope, I didn't. His name meant helpful, useful, and profitable, Okay, but Paul told us that he was once unprofitable, but now he's saved. He can live up to his name of being profitable, right? So let's look at Philemon again, and let's look at verses 12 through 14 and see what else goes on in this guy's life. 12 through 14 says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Okay, so what he's talking about. So Paul, he's still in prison, okay? And he, when he wrote this letter to Philemon, he knew Philemon, and he knew Onesimus was Philemon's slave that ran away. So he knows Philemon is his master. And he pleaded with Philemon to accept Onesimus back. He's a runaway slave. There's rules against that back then, okay? Well, but Paul's telling, him, telling Philemon that he's not a slave, not to accept him back as a runaway slave, but to accept him back as a Christian, a brother in Christ. Because he's been saved now, okay? And we see Paul cared deeply for Onesimus because he, he says that, you know, he talks about this young man. He says he has been a great blessing to him, okay? He's been a great blessing to him while in prison, right? In fact, Onesimus has been so helpful that we read right there, Paul said that he longed for him to stay with him, but he had to send him back to Philemon, okay? And there's a reason he sends him back. Well, let's look at Colossians 4.9 again. <coughs> Colossians 4, verse 9 again. Let's read that one 
one more time. It says, the Bible says, With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So Philemon and his family lived in Colossae, okay? And the Colossian church met in his house, okay? Well, Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians at the same time he wrote the letter to Philemon while he was in prison. And in that letter, Paul mentioned Onesimus would be coming home, okay? How is that? He told him to go back home, even though he knows he's a runaway slave. And Paul gave both letters uh, to the Colossians and to Philemon, to Tychicus and Onesimus, to carry back to Philemon, okay? So let's go back to Philemon. Let's look at verses 15 through 19. The Bible says, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Now, I'm sorry, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or owed thee aught, Put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. There's a lot in there, but let's break this down. So we see that the heart of Paul's plea to Philemon is summed up in these few verses right here, right? He tells Philemon that maybe one of the reasons that Onesimus was separated him, it says for a season, for a little while, is so he would get him back forever. He's no longer on a way slave, right? And, and he says uh, he's no longer a slave. He says, but he's better than a slave. He is a brother in Christ, okay? So we're seeing a lot about Onesimus, but we're also seeing a lot about Philemon here, okay? So what is this all about? Well, this thing between Philemon and Onesimus is all about forgiveness and reconciliation. And we see that in Onesimus and Philemon in this book right here. Paul challenges Philemon to receive Onesimus back in the same way that he would receive the Apostle Paul. Okay, the exact same way as a brother in Christ and a partner in the gospel. Because Onesimus is now spreading the word of God. And Paul promises to pay back anything that Onesimus owed. Think about this, okay? The apostle authenticates this promise by writing, he says, in his own hand. He says, I'm promising to pay back whatever Onesimus owes you, and it's because I'm writing it in my hand. Okay? Essentially, he's doing what? He's just dis- demonstrating his commitment to see the relationship between these two brothers in Christ fully restored. It's no longer master-slave. It's brother in Christ. They're equals, right? And we're going to see that. And, and then we see Paul applies some general pressure, right? He, he reminds Philemon that he owes his life to Paul. And how does he do that? Because he confirms that, that Paul was the one that led Philemon to Christ. He says, you owe me too. I taught you about Christ. You owe me more than just the physical. You owe me spiritual. And he's telling him to give that same 
love and, and same reconciliation, same forgiveness to Onesimus, right? And he, he says, uh, by reminding Philemon of his own salvation, Paul hopes that he will look beyond Onesimus's transgressions, okay? He was a slave. He stole from him and ran away. And he hopes that he reflects on the broader reality of forgiveness, okay? And what is that forgiveness? Is it a physical forgiveness? No, it's a spiritual forgiveness. It's a forgiveness in Jesus Christ, right? And who was Jesus Christ? He forgave us. He's the one that pardons us for everything we've done wrong. And he's telling Philemon to do the exact same thing. He said, you're a brother in Christ. Onesimus is a brother in Christ. You have to forgive him. Okay? And you think about it. Once we're saved, or, or, or even during our life as a Christian, have we ever, or do we forgive and make things right with people that hurt us? Do we do that? Or do we hold a grudge? Because Christ forgave us. We're supposed to forgive them. And that's exactly what he's teaching Philemon here. Christ forgave every wrong that we ever committed. And he said that he would never bring those up again. As Christians, if we don't do the same thing for others, we're wrong with God. Okay? We're completely wrong. And that's what this is. Paul's trying to teach us with Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, Philemon was a committed Christian. He had opened his home to a whole community of believers. He had church in his home. Okay, can you imagine his life before Christ? Okay, but Christ changed him. Okay, let's look at Philemon again. Let's look 4 through 7. The Bible says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and, and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Okay? We see that here Paul tells Philemon about his strong faith and love for God's people. He said, you have a love for God's people. Onesimus is one of those people now. Okay? He's no longer a slave. Let's look at Philemon verse 21. The Bible says, Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Wow. So we see Paul expresses his confidence in Philemon here, right? He says, he will indeed follow through on his appeal to forgive and restore Onesimus. Just like Jesus Christ forgives and restores us, right? So Philemon may have been a, a kind and, and great master. You know, it didn't say he was a cruel slave owner. But for whatever reason, Onesimus wanted to be free, right? And as a slave, he ran from his master, but he came face to face with what? A living, holy God, Okay. And he met him through Paul in prison, okay? So in Onesimus' story is basically a classic picture of one who tries to want to run away from God. But God is a good, gracious master, right? And instead of running away, he runs right into, right into God, straight into him. He runs into Paul in prison, okay? And then he gets saved. And through salvation, this fugitive, he's a fugitive sinner, right? He finds grace. He finds forgiveness. And, and the freedom that he really wanted was only found in Jesus Christ. And that's what this story of Onesimus is about. Okay? 
So let's look at a little bit more about Onesimus, and then we'll go to the next guy. Onesimus, kind of a cool thing. Onesimus and Tychicus, together they delivered the book of Colossians. Okay, And, and later, it's, history tells us this, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but it tells us that later uh, Onesimus became a, a, a bishop or a, a minister in the church of Berea. And the story of Onesimus and Philemon is, is a beautiful picture of the distinction between law and grace, right? Both Roman law and Mosaic law of the Old Testament gave Philemon the right to punish a runaway slave, okay? But the covenant of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ allowed both master and slave to have fellowship and love on an equal basis in the body of Christ because they're both in the body of Christ now, right? And and Paul, he... he, he, he um, he 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 said he would pay all of Onesimus's payment that was due to to Philemon, and what we're looking at is the way Christ pays for our sins. Is exactly what he did, and and Philemon's acceptance of Onesimus as a brother in Christ helped lay that foundation, right? For for you know think about it, the abolition of slavery years later. That's an example right there. Okay, the master and the slave no matter where they're at in the world, are equals in Christ. Okay? Let's look at another guy. Let's look at a guy named Demas. Demas. All right, let's go to still in Philemon. And we see Demas, this guy, he was a follower of Jesus, but you'll see he had a much different life. Okay? The one that we've been talking about. So Philemon, uh, verse 24. See about this guy. So it says, verse 24, the Bible says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, my fellow laborers. So this guy Demas is listed in a group of people that Paul calls his fellow workers. So he's part of the church. He's in there, right? He's doing something. He's, maybe he's spreading the word of gospel of Christ along with Mark and Luke and others. He's there. It's just like there's members in our church. You know, he's there. He's in the church. But he's a little different. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4. <coughs> Excuse me. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Let's see what happens here. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So we see here that Demas was also in Rome during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. So he's there. Paul's in prison for preaching. Demas is right there. Okay? He's with Luke, you know, the beloved physician. So he's part of the church. He's part of the, the disciples of Christ, right? Well, let's look on and see about this guy. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And the Bible says, For Demas, there he is, right? See what he does. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Christians unto Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. So Christians went preaching unto Galatia. Titus went preaching until Dalmatia, but
But Demas, oh, Demas, what did he just do? Well, we see that for a little while, Demas was with Paul during his second imprisonment in Rome, wasn't he? he then there's something happened. Demas, it says, forsook Paul. He abandoned the ministry. He left. He took off. He left town. Okay? It says he forsook him because he have. it says, having loved this present world. And let's look at this, okay? So the Greek meaning of forsaken, it, it means that Demas did not just leave Paul. He didn't just walk away. He abandoned Paul. And if you study that out, it means that he abandoned him in time of great need. Paul was in prison. It's pretty some great need right there. So Demas just went, see ya. He didn't show up one day. He left. He abandoned him in great need. It wasn't like he just walked away. He walked away when Paul needed him, right? And, and Paul was in prison facing what? A death sentence during this time. And Demas decided to just leave. I'm out of here. You got a death sentence. I don't want to follow God anymore. I'm out. Is exactly what he did. Okay? And Paul was deeply hurt and let down by Demas, right? Because you think about it, it's never, how easy would it be to see a friend or an associate or somebody you thought was a fellow Christian just walk away? Somebody you've placed your trust in, somebody you depended on, and you're in the middle of a hardship, and they walk away. Especially somebody you considered a Christian brother, right? So it says that, that Demas, and we need to look at this a little bit, it says Demas... Having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. So he's in Rome, but he goes to Thessalonica. Now, to kind of understand this, Thessalonica is a city in Greece. Okay? At this time, remember the Roman Empire, they controlled everything except Thessalonica. The Romans allowed Thessalonica to be a free city. They were not under Roman rule. They were under their own rule. And there's a reason why. Because Thessalonica, <clears throat> where it was on all the shipping and, and travel points, it was a hub of trade. Okay, It was a very important city. Super important. Everything went through Thessalonica from every culture. And there were Greeks there, there were Romans there, and there were Jews there. Okay, It was a hub city. So the Roman government allowed it to have free will, okay? Because it had free will, it was known as a cultural um, mecca. They were known for their festivals and great events. Do you think any of them were Christian? No. Thessalonica was known for money. It was a very wealthy city. And it was known for all the bad things that come along with money. You know, there was there was houses of prostitution, there was gambling centers, there was drugs and alcohol and everything you could want, you could get in Thessalonica. It's one of those cities, okay? And where did Odemus go? He left Rome, forsake Paul, turned his back on Christ, turned his back on the church, walked away, and went to live in Thessalonica. He didn't go there to plant a church, okay? He went there for the money and the drugs and the women and the, everything he could get. He went there because the Bible is clear. It says that the, he loved this present world, okay? So 
how many people have we seen in our, in our maybe our Christian time as a Christian that come to church and man that that they hear they hear the gospel and they come down here and they're crying and wailing and and, and the pastor prays with them and they they're saved they stand up here I'm saved and within just a short time we never see them again they do the exact same thing that Demas did, right? And the separation caused by Demas' desertion of Paul was not only physical, it was spiritual, deeply spiritual. He walked away from serving Christ, right? Demas left Rome because he fell in love with the world. He loved the world more than he did Christ, okay? In other words, Demas chose the corrupt value system of this world, of the unsaved world, over heavenly values now think about this real close so this translates into demas loves the things of this life not eternal life okay so he had a he had fun for a season but his life came to an end at one time and guess what he didn't get no eternal promise Okay? And, and we don't know the details of what Demas' situation is, but it's pretty clear, it's pretty evident that whatever Demas decided to do, he decided to follow Satan and whatever Satan had to offer in this life better than what God offers in eternity. How many people are doing that today? How many people do we see, you know, Friday and Saturday night, all they can do is party and, and do all their worldly stuff you know even on mondays and tuesdays they're out i guess you know the the free ladies nights and half half night what half dollar drinks or something i don't know but they're loving this world more than they're loving here and how many people do we see like i said that that were in a church maybe even serving how many sunday school teachers or pastors do you see just stop walk away because they did they did a Demas. They love this present world more than they do God, right? So let's look at Second uh, Timothy 4, 8 through 10. Did I already read that? Nope. Let's read it. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved the present world, and is departed unto the Thessalonica, uh, Cretans to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Wow. So we see that Demas' love of this present world means he was never a born-again Christian. He was playing the game. Okay? And Paul shows us that those who love the Lord in his appearance, he, he will judge and award them a crown of righteousness. Demas doesn't get that crown. Demas lost that crown, okay? And Demas was, was one of those who, who, who loved Jesus, for, and he was waiting for his return. He was not one of those, was he? Nope. He loved the present world more than Jesus. Maybe he just played the Christian part for a little bit, right? Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and learn about old Demas a little bit. Because he's only mentioned here a couple times, but... Man, that's a bad thing to have mentioned, right? It's pretty fatal. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Pretty clear. The Bible is very clear here that Christians are to not love the world or anything in the world. If you do, it says the love of the Father is not in you. If you're in church and you consider yourself a Christian, but you love the things of the world, this, this verse is pretty clear. There's no, there's no interpreting in any other way. Okay, and, and you think about it. Once Demas left, once Demas left, we read about him forsaking Paul. He's never mentioned in the Bible again. He's never mentioned about coming to repentance. He's never mentioned about being restored, is he? Other people in the Bible we see fall away, but they come back. Demas never did. He walked away permanently. And that's the tragedy of Demas because that's still being lived out today. Okay? And those who choose the temporary benefits of this world over the eternal benefits and riches that they will get in heaven. Okay? Let's look at a few more verses. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Matthew 13, 22. <clears throat> Matthew 13, verse 22. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. It says, He who also, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and care of this world, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. That's a Demas right there. They hear the word. They may get saved, supposedly. They may attend church for a while, but at one point, they're just going to stop. They're done, right? And, and today, there's still those people that receive the word, but they allow the worries of this world. They allow life. They allow the deceitfulness of wealth. That's what this Bible's telling us here. Choke that word, and it makes them unfruitful. Okay, how many people do we see like this in our world? Let's go to Psalms 28. Psalms 28. <laughs> Psalm 28, 8. And the Bible says, The Lord is our strength, and He is the saving strength of His anointed. So we see here that just because we are saved, okay, and, and, and we have served God, right, in the past, that is no guarantee that we won't backslide, okay? And the only way that we can not backslide is we have to depend on the Lord for our strength. When we try to do it on our own strength, we're going to fail every single time. We are not strong enough without the Lord, okay? And in our own lives, look at your own lives. Have you ever failed? Have you ever failed when you tried to rely on your own strength? Okay? It says the arm of flesh will fail you, and it sure will. But what about when we rely on Christ's strength? How much stronger are we? Right? So let's go to John. John 3, 3. John 3, 3. John 3, verse 3. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right? Pretty simple. Demas was not born again. He walked away. We must be born again. Otherwise, 
we have no foundation in our faith. We have no strength in our faith. And that's what Demas had. He had some form of faith, but it was a worldly faith. Okay? His faith was fake. And as soon as he got tested, he left. He's done. Okay? Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. 1 John 2, 19, the Bible says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. Okay? This is the Demas. How many people do we see like that today? They come to church, they profess to get saved, they may stay a while, but it's not long, and they're quickly gone, and we never see them again. And they don't call us and tell us, man, I'm struggling with my faith, and man, I'm hurt, and I don't know. They're just like, one Sunday they're here smiling and happy, and the next Sunday they're gone. Because they did a Demas. They made a decision, right? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and you won't have to listen to me coughing anymore. <coughs> Matthew 7, verse 22. 22 through 23. And the Bible says, <coughs> this is Jesus speaking, so this is pretty good words, right? Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in that name, in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them. Here's the part. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Ye that work iniquity. Okay? So we see what happens to those who never truly repent. They never seek the forgiveness of God. And they never truly give their life to Christ. Okay? What happens? They're Demas. So what's the moral? Don't be a Demas. Don't be a Demas. You know? Be in a, what was it, an Epa, ah, I can't even remember. Epaphras? Epaphras. Be an Epaphras. He was a good one, right? How about being a Onesimus? Onesimus. Be an Onesimus. Be a Philemon, okay? Forgive and forget those that have hurt you, okay? If you don't, remember, God says if you hold that grudge, if you hold that bitterness, bitterness will stay inside you and will turn to anger, and anger will turn to sin, okay? And definitely, definitely, don't be a Demas, okay? Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, I, I ask you, Lord, that I hope these words were clear and and, and, and understandable, Lord, and, and we can learn something, Lord. We can learn to be, be like Epaphras or, or, or Onesimus or even Philemon, Lord, and, and Lord, just be forgiving and, and be loving and, and just follow you, Lord, no matter what. And, and let us find our strength in you, Lord, and I ask you to help us, Lord, if, if, if we find ourselves backsliding or our faith being weakened, Lord, that we'll reach out to, to those around us and, and, and just ask for help and be restored, Lord. And, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that there be no Demases in here, Lord. And just, Lord, just help us examine ourselves and just be able to, 
to understand you and just draw close to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.